0: There there's an airport scene in this movie. <laughs> there's a couple of airport scenes.
1: One at the beginning, one at the end.
0: Oh yeah, I guess, I guess that is technically an airport. Yeah. Yes. There you
1: go. Yeah. Well done. There we you go. Made, you made it make sense.
0: Yeah, I feel like it worked with this movie.
1: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> meet the husband. I'm proud of me.
0: myself. I'm here, present.
1: Yeah, that's exactly how I. How feel are you? Too. I'm present. My goal is. Mm-hmm. I'm a bit cranky. And, you know, all of that stuff. But my goal is not to be today. So.
0: Yeah. You can do I'm it. Gonna be.
1: I'm not going to be cranky. I wanted to talk about something, Nita, that's been near and dear to my heart for the last week. Okay. It's not really near and dear. I don't know why I prefaced it like that. But Adnan Sayed has been out of jail for two weeks?
0: One mm-hmm. week?
1: One week. Oh, it's only been a week. Wow. And Rabia Chaudhry has been very vocal on her social media about how she thinks Serial committed, quote unquote, journalistic malpractice. And (laughs) there was a podcast episode on her Facebook that she linked to that I listened to that tended to agree with what she said. And I wanted to talk to you about that because we've talked a lot about Serial and how we honor that Serial is the original podcast. Not the original true crime story. We all know that, but it is the original podcast. It really did popularize the format that we are currently on. Mm -hmm. But there is some argument that Serial didn't really act in like journalistic ethic way, ethically, sorry, journalist, journalistically ethical ways in updating people. So there were things that they didn't update after. After the, the season wrapped on Adnan, there were things about like how the cell phone testimony was garbage. And the person who mm-hmm. actually testified at the trial came out himself and said it was garbage and it's not reliable. But serial didn't update. And just like little things here and there. And they used the HBO documentary as an argument for the things that were left out. So I wanted to talk to you about your thoughts on this.
0: So here's the thing. I never saw it as, like, a news program where I was going to have to go for updates on this case. I saw it more of Sarah Koenig telling a story. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's necessarily – I don't think it's necessary, I guess, to have her consistently update about the new developments in the case and, like, mm-hmm. what was going on. And I think it's really a viewer or a listener's responsibility to – to engage themselves. If they're truly interested in learning more about a story, then they will go and search for it. Like I did. Like I did listen to Undisclosed after. I would read articles about Adnan's case after the fact. What I am seeing come up and I think would be like a good idea is having a disclaimer at the beginning of the previous episodes of Serial, of season one, just saying like this was you know, recorded in a time in 2014. There have been many updates ever or many updates since then. And it's like you you should look into that if you want to. But I don't think they need to like go back, renege some of the things that they had talked about and like try to fix the situation because I don't think it's a situation that needs to be fixed.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of Rabia's contention is definitely the fact that she went to Sarah Koenig to try to get Adnan out and Sarah Koenig... Mm-hmm didn't have the same opinion. And Sarah Koenig's allowed to not have that opinion. And she's very clear at the end of her podcast. She essentially sets it up like a, a thesis. This is this podcast, and the thesis is to find out not whether he did it or not, but whether he was tried appropriately. That was kind of her approach to it. She wasn't trying to, like... I don't think she was trying to solve anything. I think initially they kind of walked into it thinking they could find Asia McLean and all of that and kind of move on. But as they kind of got into it, it turned into a, okay, let's, let's, like, what happened here? Because clearly something went wrong. And that's what they were trying Mm -hmm. to do. They weren't trying to say whether he did it or not. She had an opinion about that. And she is allowed to have that opinion that I think a lot of people actually shared. Because some of the evidence just didn't line up. Even the stuff that didn't, you know, necessarily... Point to him doing it, it also didn't point to him not doing it. And mm-hmm. she, she's a human, she's an opinion on something, she's allowed to do that. And I think there's a lot of anger from Rabia about the fact that she has this extremely popular podcast that was essentially it got there because of the case that Rabia brought to Sarah, and Sarah didn't share the same opinion. That's kind of what it's falling down to. And that.
0: I think. Go on. Sorry. No,
1: I was just going to say, and that's kind of, I don't know. I I think Robbie is an, an incredibly intelligent, smart woman. And this is, it's kind of coloring her just kind of dirty.
0: I think there's like a whole emotional fact aside from her being a very intelligent person. Like she's known it on her entire life. Yeah, like absolutely. If it was someone that was your like a brother to you, also would have that emotional Fair invest until yeah. like what is happening here. And I don't think anyone expected cereal to be the juggernaut that it, it was, was. Yeah, like I don't uh, even Sarah Koenig because I think if Sarah Koenig was you know opportunistic, she would continue to do like serial season two would have been like odd non story continued but the clearly she didn't want to do that yeah she wanted to focus on storytelling and like looking into things but not you know she's not kim kardashian she doesn't want to release him from prison
1: kim kardashian wanted to release him from prison
0: not him specifically but like she's worked a lot and um overturning wrongful convictions or having people removed from death row
1: hmm I mean, good did for Kim Kardashian, this? but
0: <laughs> yeah, she's like successfully gotten someone off of death row.
1: Good for Kim. She's using her yeah, celebrity Kim. for something, so I mean, that's good for her. You got to give her that. But we're not here to talk but about KK. Kim. Car-
0: Kim Kardashian did send out a tweet though once, and I think this is Robbie's point: is like cereal's so huge, people. Like I said, that people should look into this more on their own mm-hmm. accord. People don't. And then you have people like Kim Kardashian who tweet something like, hey, listening to Serial, do you guys think Adnan did it? Whereas like for Rabia, her truth is that it's unbelievable to believe that somebody would think he didn't, that he did do it. Like she really wholeheartedly believes that he didn't do it. Sure, and she has a hard. She has a hard time managing that. That people are allowed to have outside opinions. Yes, and that's my
1: my thing. Is also yeah. she's a lawyer. She is yeah. her whole job is logistical, kind of like mental play. So she, of all people, I think that's what throws me off. I completely understand the emotional viewpoint, and also Kim Kardashian as a known socialite, which is what she is gets to post that on Twitter to be like, hey, did he do it or not? Everyone was asking that question. And I think yeah. th- I would be more a- affronted by that, that we did turn this man's life and this woman's death into entertainment. I think that is the that is the bigger story here. But fine, that aside, everyone is allowed to have an opinion of whether he... And you. Rabia doesn't have to agree. She clearly does not. But you can't say that those people... Are not allowed to have that opinion. You don't have to agree with it. Huh?
0: That's what it feels like the way she's going about this. Yes. And like her cattiness towards Sarah Koenig.
1: But yes. She's like turning
0: into an auntie.
1: She really is. (laughs) That's this week's serial update. Before we talk about the best years of my life, let's talk about the best month in Mita's life.
0: Yeah, possibly the best month. <laughs> Nadeem, today is September 28th. It is. In a few days, it'll be October 1st. It is. And this year for Halloween, I, because, because normally during Halloween time, I would force you to watch Halloween movies for this podcast, mm-hmm. but because we are watching all of the Oscar nominated films and I can't guarantee that they, they are horror related. <laughs> I think we can related. guarantee
1: with some certainty, none of them are horror films, actually.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, oh, like, we're not going to watch anything Halloween-y. So I have made a list of 31 films for me to watch each day of o- October. Um, some of them are thrillers. Some of them are horror films. Some of them are foreign horror films, which I'm actually excited about. Um, but yeah, I, I was going to miss that, that fright. So I have set apart a list of 31 movies. I'll watch each day. By the time this episode airs, it'll air on October 5th. So I'll have watched four movies. Should I tell people what movies I would have watched by now? No,
1: because then you'll have to give the opinions on them. I think wait till next week when you can actually say, I've seen these ones by now and this is my opinion on them.
0: Okay, fine. But yeah.
1: Yeah, but that's exciting. A movie a day for Mita, plus whatever we watch for the podcast, Mm -hmm. plus the Desperate Housewives Mita is catching up on.
0: Almost on season five.
1: <laughs> Look at that. Of eight seasons?
0: I think so. I don't oh, know. Okay. I'm just never going to let it end. I'm going to keep going.
1: Well, it truly feels like October is going to be the best month of Mita's life. But let's talk about the <laughs> best years of our lives.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Because <laughs> this week we watched a movie, Mitha.
0: Mm-hmm. We sure did. We watched The Best Years of Our Lives from 1940 five. I forgot six. five six six, six. 1946
1: after the war ended.
0: There we go. War's over. It's going to be the best year of your life. Would you like to hear an IMDb discrow?
1: Yes, I would.
0: Okay. <clears throat> the best years of our lives is as follows. 3 World War 2 veterans, two of them traumatized or disabled, return home to the American Midwest to to discover that they and their families have been irreparably changed, irrepa,
1: irreparably, yeah,
0: <laughs> irreparably. I said it right. There you go. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that's a pretty succinct.
1: It's very succinct. Yeah. Uh, describe. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what this movie is about. Pretty much. Pretty much.
0: How did you feel, Nadim?
1: Okay, so first and foremost, Meetha and I watched this together because you yes. could only buy this digitally. There was no other way to watch this. We couldn't even rent it online, so. Mito no. came over to my home theater and we watched it together, all two hours and fifty minutes of it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh fair warning, this movie is three hours long.
1: yeah, three hours long, black and white post-war movie. It feels really long
0: extremely long.
1: extremely long. I, I fell asleep at one point. Mito also fell asleep towards the end and was very we were both very restless the entire <laughs> viewing <laughs> That said... I
0: kept switching sides of the couch. Oh yeah, Mita was like all over (laughs) the
1: couch. (laughs) And we've watched other movies together and that was not your... That's never been your reaction. I was just like, oh, Mita's having a time watching this right now.
0: I just like had to keep myself awake a little bit and like move around. So I would like lie down on one side and then be like, okay, I'm done. And then I'd go
1: over to to the other side. So that makes, that definitely sounds like this was a bad movie. And I'm going to say it's not. I actually... No, it's not terrible. It's not. It's actually a very good movie, but it would make an even better miniseries.
0: Exactly my thoughts.
1: This is meant, like when you watch the content, you're like, okay, I can understand why this is three hours because there is a lot to go through. But by the end of it, I was just like, this should have been longer because there's actually so much left unsaid, so much left untalked about. I think that, again, it's three hours, and they rush through some things, or things are left unexplained. Like, there's there's places and gaps and things. And I can completely understand at the time how this was as appreciated as it was, because it, this movie really... It, there's no sentimentality about it. There's no cheesiness. It's really quite earnest in its depiction of everything and we really haven't seen anything like this but the whole time i was watching it i was like okay this as a mini series like an eight-part mini series would probably be exquisite
0: i was gonna say nine parts and each oh. man gets three episodes sure like something
1: like but something <laughs> so like right. that yeah like some type mm-hmm. of some type of elongated arc because each man needs time but each woman associated to the man needs time too
0: yes because i would say there is a little bit of an injustice to like the secondary characters in this movie i think you do get like really good framework on the three war veterans who are returning home which is fine that's what your movie's about but the ladies in this film are really interesting characters and i would have liked to have seen that like explored even more
1: yeah so what are your overall thoughts before we dive in?
0: I did really like it. Like, I didn't find it, like, too endearing like some of the movies we have watched mm-hmm. already. What's the one where they uh, – let me look at our – what we've watched this year because I can't even remember things. You Can't Take It With You. You Can't Take It With You with oh, like, geez. a spoonful yeah. of sugar, right? And, like – This could very well be that, but it wasn't. Like, I felt like tonally it was very realistic as to, like, what somebody coming home from more time would be like. And there's some really interesting characters here, but I don't feel like they were developed as fully as they could be. And I feel like there's a little bit of a disservice, even to the men in itself, because I don't think the timing of what we were focused on was well balanced. Like, there was a point while watching it where I was like, well, what about... um
1: al stevenson i'm
0: forgetting all their names no not al i'm the the man who is, has no hands homer homer at one point i was like wait when's homer coming back like what's gonna go on with homer because they did focus too much on al and they did focus too much on what's the other one's name dairy dairy that's his last name frank
1: fred Derry. fred Derry.
0: fred fred al and homer yeah but I did feel like they, they focused a lot more on Fred and Al than they did on Homer. And Homer's was the one that was like the most interesting to me. I would want to see like where that goes and how that develops. And I feel like they kind of just at the end, like tied it up really neatly for him. Um, so as much as like it was, it's very well made and very surprisingly to me, like how well it was made for that time because we watched things that are like so sweet and like yeah. so kiddish almost in a way. Mm-hmm. This was very like realistic. And I enjoyed it, but I also think a series would have done a much better job in, like, actually focusing on certain people and being able to expand on those storylines. Because I do feel like I missed out on parts of their lives as well.
1: Yeah, totally. And it's interesting that you say that about Homer. I actually, yeah, I agree that we didn't have enough of Homer. But the thing that got to me was that with Al's character, we know he's an alcoholic, but we never address it. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, the movie really alludes to the fact that he's become an alcoholic and his wife is not okay with it. But we never actually get to that. And that's an episode in and of itself. Do you know what I mean? There's so much. Yeah. And she is very interesting as a character. There's, there's. I think the thing the movie really did is we've seen people come back from war in movies, in like Forrest Gump, let's say, or that movie Brothers which is a very different version of coming back from war, but, like, there's there's versions of Uncle this. Uncle
0: Tommy slept with mom. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> was poorly written versions of what happens when people come back from war. But this felt, like, it felt very authentic. Like, I was watching something like, oh, this is probably how people really came back from the war. Like, mm. the fact that you go to the airport to find a flight and they're like, it's all full, you can try to go on a cargo plane, and people are just like, I just want to get home. You know, people at home not expecting you to come back and not ready for it almost, like not physically. And not knowing
0: what to do.
1: (laughs) Yeah, people not knowing what to do with each other, them not actually wanting to be home right then when they get back to their cities. Like so much of it felt so accurate and educational in a way that I actually Mm -hmm. wanted more of it. And that's weird to say because I did fall asleep. But I don't think that was because of... I will say <laughs> I don't think that was because of the movie. I was just... I was really tired that night. I think it, it was is, like
0: 9 o'clock on a Monday. Like Yeah, that's... it was
1: late. And I also think that this is going to be better ingested if you watch it in pieces. Like, I don't think you need to I sit will... there watching it for three hours to get the feel. I think you could watch this the way I watched Gone with the Wind in like hour increments and still feel something for it.
0: And to be fair, I did ask Nadeem, could we watch this in pieces? And he said you did, no. did,
1: but it was just it would be hard for us to logistically do it, right?
0: I guess so. So <laughs> Nadim just doesn't want me at his house two nights in a row. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's too much for me. I can't do it.
0: Tried to kick me out. Yep, yeah, exactly. How rude.
1: But yeah, the women, definitely. That was one thing I really yeah. took away from it that was I mean, Peggy does get Peggy gets interesting.
0: Peggy gets it good. Yeah.
1: Peggy gets it good. She has the line of the movie. Like, really, such a great line because I was just like, is she going to say it? And then she says it. And I'm just like, wow. I was kind of taken aback with how forward she is when she. What is the line? I know we say that we're going to say it at the end, but.
0: I'm going to break that marriage up. Isn't that
1: great? Isn't that so, it's like, so it's so. For even for now, I've you don't hear people. It's so
0: honest.
1: It's so honest. It's and it doesn't. She doesn't feel like a homewrecker saying it. There's something very authentic about like I'm gonna break that marriage up, but not because because she recognizes that it's a failed marriage and that like yeah everyone could be happier without it kind of thing. There's something very honest about it, and the whole movie is kind of steeped in that. But I would have loved to see more of. I forget. Um, Millie. Millie? I wanted to see way more of Millie and what Millie is going through because Millie has a gamut of emotions on her face, but we never get to discuss them.
0: She never explores them vocally. She, I think Millie, it's so funny that Peggy is her daughter because Peggy is so able to express how she feels about the situation in itself. Millie does it with her face, but she never gets to do it vocally. She never gets to say how she's feeling. Like you can tell she's upset with Fred's drink or what's his face? Al's drinking. Al's drinking. Yeah. What were you going to say?
1: But maybe that's actually on purpose. Because maybe Peggy is meant to be the future of women. And Millie is yeah. the current state of women. And they didn't say anything. They were silent. They dealt. And it's very easy for us to be like, I want Millie to be this. And I want her to be that. And this is just occurring to me right now. Mm-hmm. But maybe at the time, the Millies of the world didn't have a voice. And they weren't. They didn't say anything. And they just kind of dealt with everything. And yeah. that's what we're me- that frustration and that lack of, of voice is what we're actually meant to kind of take in.
0: She does a phenomenal job as an actress. Like oh, she's I so knew good. what she was feeling. Yeah, she's so good, Myrna Loy.
1: Myrna Loy. <laughs> that was
0: her name. Yeah, Myrna Loy. But the other thing with Peggy, though, I feel like the lesser film would have her cut out to be some sort of a villain. Yes. Of like she wants to break up this marriage, but like when she says that line, at no point was I like, "Oh, you bitch!" <laughs> yeah, I, was, yeah. I was just like, I "Yes, was just like, uh, yeah, yes, go Peggy. break it up!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what your heart desires. But then even looking at, um, Fred's wife, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> Is Mary? Mary? Mary or Marie? Mary. Marie. Uh, you found her exceptionally annoying. I think the actress was just doing a really good job <laughs> in her role of being yeah. this sort of like, she, you know, we, we learned that they kind of married each other on a whim. They just thought, oh, like he's going to go to war. Let's get married. And, she's allowed to be to want to live her life in a certain way and to want things like yes it's a little conceited but that's also who she is and she's not going to apologize for it Mm -hmm. like i think thinking about the 1940s i i know my assumption would be that the woman would be sort of shunned in and more reserved and they wouldn't really be vocal and like who they want to be but this really shines a light on each individual woman and how they want to live their lives Mm -hmm. and it's really refreshing to see
1: yeah, it is. It's refreshing yeah. to see. And I just, again, I just wanted more of it. I wanted more of those three women. I wanted more of the men too. Because I don't think we actually get into real detail about what they experienced and how they're dealing with it. I, like It's very light. It's very light. It's very surface. And it scratches a good surface. Like, you kind of understand the, the tra- trauma that Fred faces, for instance, about like, being in all of that and then coming back to kind of an impoverished situation and not having a job and not having a future. And you kind of, you you start to see what they're trying to say. But Mm -hmm. I think, I think that the tricky thing is, is that we are currently in a time where there's space and literal time to tell stories. Like you can take eight episodes to 10 episodes to tell a singular story and close it off in a book. The miniseries wasn't as... You had miniseries on, like, TV, for instance. But they weren't... A, they were kind of... They weren't as, like, popular. They
0: usually... I feel like in that time, it was based off of, like, historic historical facts. Like, it was a miniseries on, like, Abraham Lincoln or something. Yeah, or things... Know.
1: Or you did have things like John Adams. And a lot of that stuff was HBO-specific, right? Like, you did have Angels yeah. in America or Band of Brothers or John Adams. But they were very HBO-specific, so... They weren't as popularized, but now you have them on streaming services where everyone watches them. So the miniseries is, I think people are understanding that there's only certain stories that you could tell in a movie. Otherwise, a miniseries actually makes more sense for it. It isn't this movie's responsibility to answer those questions though, because my sentimentality now in 2022 is adjusted to be able to tell these long drawn out stories that go in depth in 1945, this was the this is what was available. This is what they did. So when I'm trying to watch this, I really do have to say, how, how did they do with what they had? Because what they had was three hours of film. Did they do what they could with that three hours of film? Would you have done anything different with that three hours of film to tell the same story? Because yes, this would work better as a miniseries, but that's not an option at the time.
0: I think... It's an interesting question. I do really think it's imbalanced. I think they do spend more time with Fred and Al than they do with Homer. And I think I would have tried to have had a little bit more balance within that. Especially at the end when you learn like what Wilma has to go through with Homer. Like it's one night of her getting him ready for bed. But that looks very different when it's like the everyday. And I might have told... I would have told that story a little bit differently. Like maybe Homer could have been more accepting of her in the beginning. And then she's been like with him for months and she's realizing how much of herself she's actually sacrificing for him. Mm-hmm. I think that would have maybe been a more interesting story to tell. But I I see what you're saying, like with what they were given and the time of itself, like it is very, I think they do a really great job at being able to tell these different stories. Is there anything else that like you would pimp it?
1: I do think we, I was really interested in Homer, obviously, for a variety of reasons, other than the fact that he was a non-actor who they hired Mm -hmm. to do this. Because the whole time, we don't recognize faces, so when he shows up on screen and he has his two hooks, you're like, oh, that must be prosthetics or it must be something. And then I did the research after and I was just, well, first you see his at the end towards the end of the movie he takes off the hooks and you realize he's an actual amputee. So you're an like actual amputee. Oh, so this is not like someone holding hooks inside their like long sleeves. You start to realize okay, this man actually knows what he's doing and then you realize he's not an actor and you're like, "Oh, that's such an amazing performance in a movie full of other good performances by someone mm-hmm. who doesn't actually act," which is amazing. And also, it really made me I I, I felt like I actually was watching what That actor, I forget his name, and I think we should say his name. Harold Russell. Harold Russell, the actor who played Homer. I felt like this is probably what his actual journey was like when he came back. You know, to meet his parents, to meet his fiancé. The learning of how to use the hooks is not an issue for him, right? Like, he knows That's, that's, he's figured it out. He, it's a non issue. It's how the world acclimates back to him and how they start to react to him. I did want to see more of that. I wanted to see more of like how he adjusts back to being in suburban America.
0: I don't know if you were asleep, but the scene where the kids are like watching him through the garage window. And they just wanted to see him. Like they didn't, I don't think they were poking fun at him in the way, but the way he like loses it on them. Mm I just thought that that was so raw and emotional, and that's when I I quickly looked on my phone to see, like, who is this actor, and then I realized that it was a real it's person. It's not. Yeah. Not to say that actors aren't real people, but they are real. <laughs> but, do you know what I mean? I get what you're saying. <laughs> um, One thing that came to mind for me, and granted, it's been a long time since I've seen this movie, but I felt... Do you remember watching Mohobate for the first I time? I do, yes.
1: <laughs> I watched Mohobate. The idea
0: of like these three guys with yep. their three different love stories, like that came to my. I just got like a little warm fuzzies from that. <laughs> and I was like, why don't we have more, more of that anymore? Like I miss that. I can't think of anything in recent time where I'm just like, oh.
1: What a weird, interesting thing to kind of think of at the time, because this is not a warm or fuzzy movie. <laughs>
0: No, but like the idea, looking at the different, I mean, okay, Mohabbatein is a Bollywood film. So it's obviously going to be like a little bit more cheesy yeah. at, of that time. And like the love stories are kind of more prominent. Yeah. But in this, I was just, I, while watching it, I think it was a scene when the three of them are at um, Butch's. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's like three guys and their love stories. This yeah. is <laughs> I see that. Right? It's cute. I like that. I think more there needs to be more storytelling like this.
1: But I think we have it, Mita. I think it again. I think when producers are coming around with stories that involve larger character character groups, they're being pushed into miniseries. Miniseries. Because you can expand on stories. You cu- You can't expand it in a movie.
0: As much as I think this should be a miniseries, I do really appreciate it for being a film, though.
1: Absolutely absolutely
0: yeah i think that it is it's a snapshot and it's like you're saying like did they do the best that they could for like what the medium was and what the time of the what Mm -hmm. time it was made and i think yes because i don't want to down it by saying like it's delightful or anything because i think they do really harp on like actual emotion and like Mm -hmm. it's not cheesy in any way and I think for an audience of that time, like it might have been too much to get like the real nitty gritty of what w- coming home from war was.
1: But did you read up on like the movie after and how this was the most successful movie after Gone with the Wind at the box office? Yeah, which is kind of crazy.
0: Which didn't didn't surprise me though. But you just like said- think <laughs> about no, just like it's it's Sorry, it didn't surprise me that this would be. Why why does that shock? Wait, I don't know. No, because you just said that like maybe this
1: was too much as a movie for people, right?
0: No, I'm saying if they if it was grittier, if they did focus more on like that, that would be too much. Yeah.
1: I think this was the right amount of grit that people at that time could have.
0: Yeah. True grit.
1: (laughs) True grit. But yeah, I totally understand why this was popular because it was it I think people what I'm gathering, especially by these wins and the movies we're watching, people really like to see themselves in the movies at the time Mm. they still do and I think that's look that's why we talk about representation and what it means to have representation because people do like to find themselves on screen which I do find interesting because we always look at movies as being this escape and like Mm -hmm. people want to escape but you want to escape and just see yourself on screen is that what is that what it is
0: I th- yeah, I guess so. Like, I think about um, It's a Wonderful Day in the Neighborhood, which, like, yeah. is not, it, it was, like, an escape in that you're, like, getting to learn about Mr. Rogers. But, like, I actually had, like, a visceral reaction to watching that movie. Like, I had a breakdown in the movie theater because I realized, like, how much I probably need therapy, too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> is that what Just happened like to you? He does? I've never yeah, seen. Yeah, literally.
0: Like, I started. Uh, you haven't? No. Oh, no, I ruined it.
1: <laughs> no i know it's about getting help
0: yeah it's about getting help seeking the help what's the line that roger says oh, i don't know look for the helpers that's what it's look for the and helpers. you had
1: a giant breakdown in the theater
0: i started crying i wasn't a breakdown but i started crying and i was just like i should talk to somebody too And so it's that idea of like escaping because here I was thinking like, I'm gonna learn more about Mr. Rogers and like Mm -hmm. how nice he was and, and but then realize having that like visceral reaction to seeing something so relatable, that you can't help but cry and hope and luckily, there was like nobody else in the theater. So (laughs) well
1: that's good. So you got got to have that reaction. A, that's really nice that something it's really nice i find when movies connect with you like that like when you have a visceral reaction Mm -hmm. to them or like a real emotional reaction but uh i just have a quick question to ask you did you cry more during it's a wonderful day in the neighborhood or when Whitney houston died it's a beautiful day in the
0: neighborhood it's a beautiful day okay (laughs) i don't okay i don't even (laughs) think i did cry now it's getting to a point like i think maybe i had like one or two tears for Whitney Houston. And you seem to think I had like this like emotional breakthrough when she passed. I think it was just like one or two.
1: No. It was. <laughs> tears made
0: No, I cried more in It's a Beautiful revert. Day in the Neighborhood.
1: Okay. Because I, I had have to let it go. Wow. In the theater. That's a story yep. right there. And I'm sh- I not
0: I haven't seen it since.
1: <laughs> Do you know what I think is interesting? I'm sure that people had that kind of reaction to this too. Being able to recognize yeah. themselves and what that looked like and how hard it was. I think I think it gives you a real window into PTSD, especially like like after the war. Mm. I think everyone understands PTSD and why war veterans have it. But I don't now. know peop, now at the time, definitely not. Yeah. But even now you understand it, but you don't know what it looks like necessarily.
0: Do you know what I mean? Like, and you don't know what that feeling is yes. of like having to fight for your country but going through absolute terror, but you're doing the right thing.
1: I also am always, I always marvel at the fact that this these men were gone for literal years. Mm-hmm. It was like, people were gone for like four to five years on end. Imagine where your life, imagine picking up and leaving, having a whole separate life and then coming back to it. And then just going Crazy. back to normal, like it was all fine. I don't think we realize, I think when we talk about war, it's such a snapshot for us. Like the war was mm-hmm. from 1939 to 1945. And so it's it's World War II. But that time frame, ima- just think about it. What were you doing five years ago? Imagine five years ago you were gone and then you just came back and had to just pick up again.
0: Just, Yeah. Just re-enter society.
1: Yeah. It's, yep. I, and I don't, I think this is one of the first movies to really show what that looks like and why that would be hard. And how some men get up and have a shower and they have breakfast and they can go to work. And other men don't know what to do with themselves.
0: They go into the shower in their pajamas. I mean, yeah. that. I think that was more him being drunk, but.
1: Yeah. but <laughs> from the night before, Or but they become no. drunks.
0: Yeah. Um, I do have a question for you. Please ask. Where is Al and Millie's son? Like, he just...
1: Yeah. (laughs) They don't take him anywhere.
0: (laughs) Like, why even have that character? (laughs) That's what I don't understand.
1: That's a good question, actually. Why have him as a character? Peggy, obviously, is a character, and she has a big arc. Maybe it was probably... It was probably just to show that Al had... Like, everyone played an archetype, kind of, of American society. Mm -hmm. And Al's archetype was he was the suburban dad. Like, they lived in this beautiful, you know, townhome apartment. And he had a boy and a girl and a beautiful wife and a great job. Whereas Fred was a little bit more working class. He had a, a hot girl, but not much money. And... Homer was young. He still lived at home in the suburbs. Like there is, they all kind of played to mm-hmm. certain kind of places. So I feel like that he's literally there to be like, this man has a son.
0: Just ugh, that, that annoyed me. I'm like, what? when is this guy going to come in? Like, what's he going to do? I thought he was going to punch Fred. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, I but especially
1: because that like, he could have a very interesting story, right? Like he... Mm. That's
0: traumatizing to lose a parent for six years of your life.
1: Exactly. And I thought that where they were going was initially they have this conversation about like being, I I forget the exact contents of it, but like being anti-war. And Mm -hmm. imagine this father comes back and the son has been learning about how bad the war was. And that's instant conflict right there. And yeah, the mini, miniseries... the idea
0: that like in school he's learning of yes. like he's learning more about the world, whereas the father feels like I have real world experience yes. of fighting in this war. Like you should be listening to me. Yeah, that was interesting, and then it just sort of flatlined, which I think a mini series would actually be able to expand on.
1: Yeah, again, I I also think someone should consider turning this into a mini series because I don't think this is this is definitely still relevant. Like to have a period piece about post World War 2 what it looks like to come back either a mini series mm-hmm. or a drama series do you remember that show American American Dreams
0: yeah with Britney, <laughs> Britney um, Snow
1: Britney Snow yeah some like that's kind of tonally what it could feel like right and like look like yeah. like there is a world where this this could be made today as a period piece but still be really great mm-hmm. HBO listen up
0: and while we were watching it we were saying who could be what because some of these actors look a lot like present day actors yeah they do yeah
1: but they're also much younger like i was saying yeah. i thought fred derry i forget his the actress' name it's i think dana andrews dana andrews i thought he looked like george clooney but george clooney is in his 60s now and
0: so he could not i think work. dana yeah. andrews was like and in his i think 30s he's supposed to be like in his 20s yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: so all these actors are meant they're meant to be like super young but we always feel like they're like everyone is 50
0: Teresa Wright looks a lot like um what's the girl from caroline in the city leah thompson oh yeah from yeah but then leah thompson's old so you can't do that but you could do her daughter zoe dutch
1: <laughs> oh maybe you like zoe dutch though yeah.
0: I do like Zoe Dutch.
1: Yeah, you do. Do you have yeah. sequel, prequel cool ideas?
0: Well, I mean, I do kind of want to know what carries on a little bit. I think I think you have an understanding of what their lives before the war was. I don't mm-hmm. think we really need to look at that. But I do want to know, like, for each individual story. Like, I want to know, does Millie, uh, Millie and Al, like, does that eventually lead up to Millie, like, leaving Al? Because the alcohol just gets, like to be too much Mm -hmm. or even with Peggy and Fred, like, you know, they have this whirlwind of a romance, but does that actually last? Like what happens when she is living life sort of lesser than what she's Mm -hmm. used to when she has to slum it with him for a bit. And then same thing with Wilma and Homer, you know, it's one thing to help him with his pajamas once at night, but then when it's the everyday, it can become very mundane and very, Um, sacrificing. I don't... I want want to know what happens with these couples. Yeah. I think maybe you should write the miniseries.
1: Maybe I will. Maybe I'll get the rights to the books. I think this is based on. There you go. And I'll go from there. Yeah. It's based on a book? Yep. Based on Glory For Me. 1945 novella by McKinley Cantor. So... Watch out, McKinley! I'm going to I'm going to get the rights to this, and I'm going to write probably it. the
0: estate of the McKinley. Estate of McKinley, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, but uh, I definitely think there is there is something to be said here. Yeah. Best picture. Let's talk about that.
0: Okay. Yeah. So the because other one of nominees your favorite
1: year, movies.
0: It's not one of my favorites. I did enjoy it, but the nominees that year were The Jolson Story, The Yearling. Oh wait, I'm looking at no, the wrong. No, you're looking
1: at the wrong. Yeah,
0: I'm looking at the wrong one.
1: It's the Yearling, ah. The Razor's Edge, yeah. Henry V, and It's a Wonderful Life. And Mita loves a, a Wonderful Life as much as she cried when Whitney Houston died.
0: Oh my God! Stop it. That's not. It's not even funny. Like it's only funny to you. Absolutely.
1: Ob- who who else does it need to be funny for?
0: <laughs> You're saying it on a podcast where lots of people <laughs> listen. I think it should be funny for them, too. But, um,
1: I mean, I don't know a raz- The Razor's Edge, and I don't know The Yearling. But Henry, Henry v, I do know of. But, I've but never haven't seen, seen, it, seen it. And we have seen It's a Wonderful Life.
0: So if I'm going to compare this to It's a Wonderful Life, I do think that this is the better movie. <laughs> I'm trying to, should I look and see what I gave It's a Wonderful Life?
1: I think you'd give it three and a half. I think you liked It's a Wonderful Life. I, ma- I make fun of it because I know you don't actually, like, love it that much.
0: Yeah. I mean, I liked it. Um, I give it a three. Really? Mm-hmm. So did you. Yeah. We both gave it threes. I think that this is the better film. I think It's yes. a Wonderful Life is... A snapshot of like that time and there's the cheesy version so it's like the cheesy version of this almost in a way where you're following along somebody's life uh and, and what they're going through but i don't want to talk about it's a wonderful life i want to talk about this but i do think that based off of those five yeah i will give it i will best give picture. it the win
1: yeah yeah and i get the praise i get the the amount of academy awards it won because it won best picture best director william Wyler best actor Frederick March who played Al best supporting mm-hmm. actor Harold Russell who played Homer best editing adapted screenplay and original score and then out of competition Harold Russell also won an academy award for like an honorary oscar for showing veterans can move on with their life kind of thing oh cool yeah so it was it was applauded and it was appreciated it was a box office success it's lived in the National Film Registry, and I get all of that. And at the time, also because the poster is so bland.
0: It's so it's so unassuming. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't know so, what it's going to be at all.
1: Yeah, this it's could literally faces. be any tone. It could be a comedy. It could be a drama. <laughs> There's nothing about the poster. So I think while, while I was getting into this, and then the description also does make it seem kind of like, okay, this could be interesting, but it could also be super boring.
0: Super boring.
1: But then when I did see what the amount of praise aside from the Academy Awards and how highly, like, it's, it has a 93 on Metacritic. Like, it's really, really a lauded film. I can totally mm-hmm. understand it now because it is a very nicely made film.
0: I remember you saying, though, that this was going to be one of the worst ones.
1: Did I say that?
0: Yeah. I feel like you said to me at one point, like, oh, this one, it won, but it it's also recognized as one of the worst winners. No,
1: that comes later on. There's a few after... Um and okay. we're gonna approach them like the greatest show on earth.
0: Oh that's what it was. Okay. Yeah,
1: the greatest show on earth. These did like not lengthy age well. titles. Yes, they really exactly. need to tighten
0: up the titles. They yeah. Do. Should I go into my reading? Please do. Okay. I I really enjoyed this film. I went into it with a really negative mindset, like literally before we put it on, Nadeem and I were both like, maybe we should delay this. Maybe we shouldn't <laughs> watch this right now. Because um, we also were just like enjoying conversation. Yeah. But I also think we both thought that this was going to be a three hour war film. This is a three hour war film, but war is not the center of the story, which I think, um, if you're thinking about making a story about war, don't make it the center of the story. Make it sort of the, uh, the subject matter, but don't have it be what, don't have it be all the action. I think the action in this is really the interrelationships between these men and their wives and families when they're coming home from war. And it feels, and I guess this is because it is, really happening at that time but it feels so realistic to like what these stories would actually be that it is quite enjoyable there is this like relatable quality to it that I think it's kind of hard to match since then because I think now when we do war films I think it's a lot more about like set design and like having accuracy and like fight sequence and stuff and like that's not visible here and that makes it so much more likable I did fall asleep <laughs> I will admit that. But it was in the last five minutes. So I think it was just like me being tired. I didn't fall Mm. asleep in the middle of it like some people did. Mm. But, you know, what we touched on was how this could actually be told in a lengthier version. But if I think... To answer your question earlier, if I think back of like, OK, what act like does this make sense for the time that it was made? I actually think having it as a three hour movie makes sense because if this was shorter, I don't think it would have the same impact for me. Like if it wasn't that perfect one hour, 30 minute timeline, I think that it actually would not. It would be very unsuccessful in telling these different stories. Um, I think that there could have been some more balance in the actual storytelling of like which characters we're looking at and i think the poor film would at the end have them all sort of connect to one another um but what i love about this is that they they do have this connection they all fought in a war they didn't fight together but they all fought in a war Mm -hmm. and at the end you do see them together because of circumstance not because of like this like unlikely like common thread that they're all sharing which is really nice to see because that is kind of how life is have you ever seen the movie oh i'm forgetting the name it's like with oscar isaac and olivia wilde and mandy patankin and antonio banderas i think
1: it's a lot of people
0: it's a lot of people it's made by the guy that made this is us Oh, and so the whole point is by the end of it everybody
1: yeah oscar isaac right yeah I'm looking it up because I feel like I've seen this, but I can't pinpoint it. Is it Dune? It's not. I'm joking.
0: No. (laughs) Could you imagine?
1: I actually can't. No, now we're getting into Oscar Isaacs. I actually don't know. Are you sure it's Oscar Isaac?
0: Yeah. Life Itself.
1: Oh, that's such, such a cheesy title.
0: Does that terrible thing of like connecting all of the stories together by the end of it. And it's the it's like it's terrible. And the poor felt like this could easily do that. This could be the original, like, let's connect them. But it doesn't. And I love that about it. I love how realistic it is and how natural everybody is. And I love that they used a real person to emote something that I think would be not I'm sure a great actor could do it. But there is something really charming about seeing somebody actually going through that struggle doing it because I didn't realize it until after the movie. And when I looked up the fact, and I think that speaks to the filmmaker as well to make a choice like that. That's a very bold choice to make, especially in the 40s. And I really appreciate it for that. And if I'm going to give it a number, I'm going to land on three and a half. I don't think this is like perfect in any way. I think there are some things that could be changed. I think some things could be expanded upon. Um, and I, again, I think like things could be balanced, but it is very, it's actually, I feel weird using the word entertaining, but it is entertaining as a film. It's real stories. It's real emotion, but you can also walk away from it, like enjoying it and being entertained.
1: Um, A couple of things. Do you know what movie yeah. also has the characters connect in like some, what's the word? What's that movie? I think Love
0: Actually kind of has it in the end.
1: Love Actually does kind, kind of, of but what but this not movie terribly. does, is everyone's kind of like brought in together. Yeah. But you know what movie does it and does it poorly? Crash. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. There you
1: go. And it's always cheesy when it happens.
0: It's a bad trope.
1: Yeah, it's a bad trope. Before I get to my rating, yeah. I just want to ask you one question. Do you think your feeling about this movie changed after the movie? Or did you feel this way while you were watching it?
0: I was enjoying it while watching it. It just also was really late Monday night. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it, it is hard to sit for three hours. Like even in a movie theater, I don't like doing it. And like not, th- your theater is very nice, Nadeem. Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> 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 not taking <Yeah>. it personally. <laughs>
0: um, I just don't like sitting for three hours. But I, But like I said, I think that if this was shorter, it wouldn't do it justice.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: It's I'll allow it to be uh, its length. I'll allow it.
1: Yeah. Very few movies justify (laughs) its length. And I think this is one of those movies that justifies its length based on the amount of story. I would even go as far as saying it's not long enough because we don't actually go through everything, which is why I think it would be beneficial to turn this into a miniseries because I think there's still so Mm -hmm. much left unsaid. That said, obviously, this wasn't an an option at the chance, and they did what they could with the material at the time, and I think they do it splendidly. I think it's done very well. I think there is imbalance, but I think the imbalance is different, and that also just goes to show that you've created compelling, interesting characters that different people connect with, and you wanted to see more Homer. I actually wanted to see more Al because I wanted to see what I wanted to see the alcoholism and how that was going to play out. And as a result, I think I wanted to see more Millie. More than anything is I wanted to see her reaction Mm -hmm. and her take on things. But her complacency might... I I think the only thing is if her complacency is meant... If it's purposeful, then I want to see that it was purposeful rather than me thinking it was purposeful, if that makes sense. I completely understand why this won Best Picture. It is an excellent movie. It's... Very well crafted. It's very honestly and earnestly made. There's no sentimentality. They're really, for a movie this time to not have a high level of cheese is saying a lot because movies from this time, even Best Picture winners, they end up being cheesy. And yes, there are things that, you know, the movie is trying to tie it up with a bow. And I, I get why the movie does that because at the time, look, we've come off after like a 6 year war and you want to give people a sense of hope and moving on so you do that you have a wedding you end it with a kiss it's nice it's hopeful it's it feels good but the truth is it probably doesn't end good for any of these men and any of their families but that's what the mini series would cover this movie does i don't think it wraps it up with a bow I think that's dangerous because it's not trying to say that everything is hunky dory, but it does end on a on a elevated emotional place. It ends on a on an emotional high rather than an emotional low. But it isn't trying to say that everything's okay. It's not like. Fred gets a high paying job and Al forgets his alcoholism and Homer grows arms like it's not trying to do that. (laughs) (laughs) But but you know what I mean? It's not trying to like it's
0: wrapped up, but there isn't a bow on the top. There
1: isn't a bow on the top. It's trying to say that, like, we're ending things happily with the acknowledgement that they're probably not going to always be happy and i think that's that's also really mature storytelling that's not even stuff you get nowadays so i think this movie does a lot of stuff very nicely it is very long it is very black and white so it is it is flat out just a little harder to sit through if you're going to be 3 hours i think our brains are a little bit more immediate gratification we demand a little bit more change this laborious pacing it, it's hard to sit through in this day and age, but you could still watch it and recognize that this is good. It's just very slow right now. I really liked it. I would recommend this to people, but I'd recommend watching it in pieces so that you could fully absorb it and not get lost in it. Because I think that's the other thing that I think that like, eventually at like the two hour mark, when you're like, I got another 50 minutes of this, it starts to feel really long. And a part of you starts to care less and that does the movie a disservice. So if you're going to watch it, Take your time and watch it. Watch it in parts. Even if it's just two parts, watch it in parts. I will be given this three and a half stars as well.
0: Look at us, twinning. Yeah. This was the best years of our lives.
1: <laughs> there it is. Okay, meetha
0: Game me. Game you. Okay. Are you ready? I am. Are you ready for it? Okay, last week you asked me to tie um, Battle of the Sexes to the Bollywood film Dave Devdas. Devdas. I did it. You did it. <laughs> I don't know, all Dave Das. I was very proud of myself. I got there. So this week, Nadim, you'll need to tie Dev Das to the nineteen ninety classic home alone. Ooh. There's a way to do it. There's I a way to do it,
1: it. Oh man. There's a way to do uh... it.
0: And your timer starts now.
1: That's a tough one, Mitha.
0: Yeah, I don't think you're going to be able to do
1: it. <laughs> I don't think it's obvious. If I do your method and I go backwards, what's coming obvious yeah. to mind is Macaulay Culkin. Uh huh. Or actually, Catherine O'Hara, too. Or John Candy. Yeah. Yep. Oh. Pesci. Is John Candy. No, he wouldn't be. No, Catherine O'Hara. No, Macaulay Culkin. I don't know. <laughs>
0: I'm trying just to. Just naming the whole cast just of all alone.
1: people. I'm see my gut feeling is to go Macaulay Culkin to Kieran Culkin to succession. Okay, but what from succession other than Matthew McFadden?
0: got 15 seconds. No,
1: Matthew McFadden to Kieran Knightley to Bend It Like Beckham to Aishwarya Rai.
0: Can you do that again?
1: Yeah, so Aishwarya Rai (laughs) is in (laughs) Devdas. Devdas yeah. was, oh, sorry. sorry, Aishwara is in Devdas, who is also in Pride and Prejudice, directed by Grinda Chedda, who also directed Bended Like Beckham with Kieran Knightley, who was in Pride and Prejudice with Matthew McFadden, who is in Succession with Kieran Culkin, who is Macaulay Culkin's brother.
0: Okay. You went over the minute. That's a way to do it. It's not the way I did it, It's though.
1: probably not. I'm surprised okay. I even got that far, to be quite honest.
0: Yeah. I'm very impressed. Good job. You did it. Thanks. Hooray. Uh, you also used movies that I used, or people that I used last Whatever week. So I feel me like that, Whatever, anyway. <laughs> Meetha. Um, Whatever. Okay. Would you like to know the way yes, I did I it? Would. Okay, Asher Rai is in a movie called Mistress of Spices. Uh, yes, of she is. Yes, with Dylan McDermott, who is in Party Monster with Macaulay Culkin, who's oh. the star of Home Alone.
1: Yes, I did not know. Yeah, yeah. Those are there that's you. that's a stretch. Did you know that off the top of your head or did you have to look it up?
0: I remembered Mistress of Spices. Spices. And so I was like, okay, I'll do something that Dylan McDermott's in. And then the only thing I could think of was Party Monster (laughs) because I was just listening to a podcast about that story. So, (laughs)
1: anyways, I'm impressed with myself because I did, I think it's still six degrees I got it in, which is a little long, but nonetheless, I'm going to take that as a win. There you go.
0: Hooray. So next week you'll have to connect Home Alone to something.
1: Home Alone to something. But that's for next week. When Mita, what are we watching?
0: Next week we are watching Gentleman's Agreement*. Oh, it's I think not it's *gentle*. A or it's, the? Just gentleman.
1: it's just *gentlemen*. It's just *gentlemen*. I don't know. Okay. Starring, oh I wow, think so. I actually Gregory Peck, Dorothy McGuire, directed yep. by Ilya Kazan. Okay.
0: Oh, I didn't yeah. know he directed it.
1: <laughs> this is actually this has we can pedigree. talk about Zoe. Yeah, <laughs> this has pedigree. Okay, this will be interesting.
0: There
1: you go, Mita. It's two hours. What uh, a time to be okay.
0: alive. <laughs> why why can't they just cut off 15 minutes? <laughs> Mita, do you
1: have any parting words for us?
0: I do. I said them earlier, but I'll say them again.
1: Because they're worth, they worth saying a second time.
0: I'm going to break that marriage up.
1: You go do it, Peggy. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and...
0: Rate and review.
1: And we will see you next week for... Just gentlemen's agreement. Hooray. Have a lovely week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by no one.
0: You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the number 2 Watch Pod, on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com.
1: As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon.